Good morning. Today is Sunday, June 19th, and welcome to Water's Edge Church. My name is Andy Kelly, and today's Father's Day, and so we just want to give thanks to our dads out there. If you're part of our gathering today, we had some fun festivities to do that, and so we just want to thank God for our father and father figures in our life. And as fathers, we just want to dedicate ourselves to loving God and loving others in Christ, to love all God's children the way that God loves them. also want to acknowledge that today is Juneteenth, uh, which commemorates the emancipation of enslaved people. This is uh, remembers that in June 19th of 1865, the Union, Army, Union Army rode into Galveston, Texas to proclaim the freedom for those who are enslaved. And though it's a recent holiday federally for us, for many African Americans, it's the longest running American holiday. And, and a lot of times, a lot of people, and this may be a jarring statement, believe this to be the true Independence Day of our nation. And whether that challenges you or that gives you consolation, I think that's an opportunity uh, to go to God. and also go to others with empathy and love and as we remember this uh, the tragedy of enslavement in our nations to listen to others and their stories to to listen to their stories and offer compassion for any trauma that he or she has experienced Father's Day Juneteenth we are also in a series where we're talking about our values as a church. It's a five-week series. We are in a third week. The first week was about why our name, why we call it the Water's Edge. And the Water's Edge repeatedly is a place where God meets his people and calls them to trust in him. Our first value is that we are grounded in the word, that the scriptures provide a framework for us to live. They are a normative authority for us as believers, and they are supreme when it comes to matters of faith and conduct, preserved in the Old and New Testament. Today we're talking about the value of being attentive to the Spirit. We are attentive to the Spirit, so I'm going to pray for us today. Help me now, Holy Spirit. We do want to know you more forgotten God. I do know that whoever's listening to this right now wants to sense you more, wants to hear you more fully. So God, we ask you as the scriptures say, speak for your servants are listening. And as I speak, Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, our rock and redeemer. Many times when I, uh, amen, by the way, amen, Lord. Many times when I start a sermon, I like to raise a need, but the need is raised. We want to be attentive to the Spirit, so what does that mean? So I'm going to read a scripture today uh, from Jesus in John 5. I'll start in verse 16. So because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, these things being healing, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. In, his, in Jesus' defense, Jesus said to them, my father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. 
For this reason, they tried all the more to kill him. Not only because he was breaking the quote-unquote Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Jesus then gave him this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can, only, he can do only what he sees his father doing, because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these, so that you will be amazed. For just as the father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the son gives life to those to whom he is pleased to give it. Then we're going to go down to verse, or actually chapter 14. Jesus says this later on in his ministry, actually up to the point uh, of the night before he was betrayed. 14 verse 12, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father will be glorified in the Son. You may ask for anything in my name, and I will do it. If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you, and be with you forever, the Spirit of Truth. That's God's word for us today. I think it's worth repeating verse 19. Very truly, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his Father's doing. Because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. For the Father loves his Son and shows him all he does. See, in the midst of all the possibilities, which include uh, the expectations and pressures in others, in the midst of Jesus' own impulses and cravings, Jesus would do, Jesus would only do what the Father told him, and as the Spirit led him. Jesus would only do what the Father told him, as the Spirit led him. I'll say it one more time. Jesus would only do, and many would say, Jesus would only be what the Father told him, and the Spirit led him. So as a church, we, Water's Edge, are attentive to the Spirit's. And this means, practically, that we are seeking to be daily discerners. People who hear or sense what God is saying and respond accordingly. Who hear from God and respond, knowing that there's more life as a result of responding to God. More life for us, more life for others, more love for us, more love for others. This is our mission statement. Our vision is to, to love God and others in Christ, and our mission is to develop disciples who hear and respond to God, to be people who hear God's voice, sense God's voice, to be daily discerners. I think one of the first questions people would ask is, yeah, that makes sense, discernment matters, but why is that such a primary value? Why not something like justice or generosity or wholeness? hospitality. You love food, Andy. Why isn't food a value? Which I think it should be the fifth value. Well, the truth is, uh, discernment is a primary value because callings will come. Callings towards justice, callings towards generosity. As we hear God call us to those callings, as we foster our discernment, we will be able to hear where God calls us for different, different seasons. If we keep discernment on the forefront, 
This also means we will not get stuck in what may be very good, but non-permanent values. In other words, discernment helps us know what we need to do or what we're being called to do in this season, which can change over time. But how would you know? Unless you're discerning. I think why discernment's also value is that it's, many would argue it's missing a church because the Holy Spirit can be missing a church. And I think that is a very big statement that I said, but it's true. A lot of people within our evangelical pietist streams have elevated uh, a somewhat true, somewhat false trinity. We believe in the Father, Son, and the Holy Scriptures. And we do love the Scriptures. The Scriptures actually are authored by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit authored the authors. And the Holy Spirit speaks to us as we read the Scriptures. It illuminates them. But unfortunately, we can relegate the Holy Spirit just to the Scriptures, which is not true. God is in the business of revelation. And what is missing many times is our attentiveness. In this way, discernment is our way of being throughout our entire day, not just when we're reading scriptures. It's our way of being throughout our entire day. So what is discernment? We are attentive to the Spirit. The way that we do that is we become daily discerners. So what is discernment? Well, Christian discernment is an openness of the heart. This is our inner being, our interior life. It's the openness of the heart to the Spirit and to the communication of God in expected and unexpected places. Christian discernment is an openness of the heart to the spirit and communications of God in expected and unexpected places. It's an open, openness of our heart, our inner being, our thoughts, emotions, our volitions to the spirit. And I just want to note that much of the message this book is brought to you uh, by Larry Warner's Spiritual Direction in My Life. And his own book, which is called Discernment, God's Will, and Living Jesus, Christian Discernment as a Way of Life. And so as I say that, I, I want to say this. There's a lot that will not be said in the sermon. This is a lifelong journey. This is a lifelong journey. So what does Christian discernment require? I don't want to make it a formula. However, there are some necessary bases of discernment. The first thing, and we see this in our scripture today, is, is the certainty of God's love as we embrace our identity as God's beloved. Discernment requires the certainty of God's love as we embrace our identity as God's beloved. This is a knowing and owning and embracing this incredible one of a kind. Nothing separates us from the love of God. Truth. God likes you, he loves you, and loves loving you. And if we're not rooted in this truth that God loves us, we will not be able to hear the voice of Jesus. We will be hard-pressed to sense the inner promptings of the Spirit, let alone desire to follow God. Meaning we'll not be able to hear God if we believe he has an ulterior motive that trumps his love for you. If we think God is somehow mad at you or disgusted with you, that becomes the greatest barrier to hearing from God. Because it's not true, and it will influence what we believe God is saying. What else 
is required for Christian discernment. Well, the basis of discernment is also the faith, belief, trust that the Holy Spirit plays the primary role in Christian discernment. This is the spirit of truth that Jesus is talking to I'm talking about in John 14. The Holy Spirit plays a primary role in Christian discernment. Richard Lovelace says that scripture states the spirit is a teacher, guide, sanctifier, giver of assurance concerning our daughtership and sonship and standing before God, helping in prayer, and as the one who directs and empowers our witness. I, I've written some theology on the Holy Spirit from time to time, and I, I think it's worth noting. See, with the gift of salvation, the gift of saying yes to Jesus, comes the gift of this theological term called regeneration. Now, regeneration is an event when our spirit inside is renewed and the Holy Spirit moves in us. In fact, it's the Holy Spirit who renews us. Before salvation, we're, we're spiritually lost and senseless. But God, in Christ, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, replaces our old nature with a new spiritual self. And this status, this new status, never changes. It lasts forever, and it's maintained by God. That's the gift of salvation. And through the Spirit, we receive the love of the triune God and are moved to love God and others. And the mystery of the Holy Spirit is that the Spirit lives in each of us as we live in the Spirit. The Spirit affirms our place in God's home and continues to restore and sanctify us. Now, for today's conversation, the Spirit speaks to us. As sons and daughters of God, God speaks to us through the Spirit. Romans 8.14, that's what Jesus says in John 5.19. There's a lot more. And for an expanded theology, for the person, work, and gifts of the Holy Spirit, there's references I can give you. There's studies that you can do. A great book is Forgotten God by Francis Chan. But I think it's worth noting that the Holy Spirit is available to anyone who says yes to Jesus. I think people can ask, well, is this one of those Holy Spirit churches? Like, yeah, I hope so. But I know that that has a lot of different meanings for a lot of different people. And there are some streams of thought that believe that people are at one point in time converted. They say yes to Jesus. They, they choose a life that God gives them. And then in that journey, there's a later point in time where the Holy Spirit fills them. Some people have called it this baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I can understand the sentiment. There are a lot of people in the church who have said yes to God, but are not dependent on God, not leaning into God, not living into their fuller calling. And part of that has to do with God's sanctifying work. Part of that has to do with people maybe just saying yes to God, but not giving their lives to God. But to say that there's some separate event Scripturally, to say that there's this time where God's Spirit fills you completely, I just don't see the basis for it. I believe God's Spirit's available now. I do believe there's moments where there are greater feelings, feelings of the Holy Spirit. But theologically, I can't find a comprehensive scriptural basis for a certainty of any kind of event outside a few interpretations in the book of Acts especially compared to how the scriptures affirm God's spirit coming at the time of giving your life to Jesus. 
I say all that to say this. If you said yes to Jesus, if you've given your life to Jesus, the Spirit is available now. So the basis for Christian discernment is a trust that the Holy Spirit is the primary, plays a primary role in discernment. And one last basis, one last noting for today is Christian spiritual discernment believes and lives as if God is initiating with me. When it comes to discernment, most of the time, God is the initiator. And we see this in scripture. Noah wasn't planning on building a boat. David wasn't planning on taking the throne. He was planning to live life as a shepherd. Mary was planning her wedding. She wasn't planning on being an unwed mom. And I do believe many of us are, are looking for answers today and th those questions matter, but they're not a primary presupposition for discernment, our questions. Rather, it's God is the initiator. The majority of discernment deals with God's initiation with us. The question is, are we listening, sensing, paying attention? Has someone ever come to your mind seemingly out of nowhere? And you sense, oh, would it be good to reach out to them? I think we need to pay attention to these promptings. And we'll talk more about what these promptings look like. But that's a good example. I think what we need to know is discernment. It's a practice way of life as we seek to certainly distinguish good from evil, but also perceive what is best. There's an axiom out there. Is this something that's good or is it something from God? Meaning there are a lot of good options there, but God may not be in it. And that, that hopefully is a helpful word to people who are overachievers like me. A lot of discernment requires perceiving what is best. There are gonna be a lot of great options out there but what is God's true best for you? Ultimately, discernment is about living like Jesus, living as if Jesus were me, and therefore embracing God's greater glory. This is about God's glory and not mine. I think a question a lot of people have is, how does God speak? Well, scripture and history have shown that God uses a lot of different mediums, burning bushes, Visions, a donkey, angels, dreams, prophets, Moses' father-in-law, still small voice, creation, the person of Jesus, the gift of the Holy Spirit, and the Bible to communicate to those who hear. And today there, there are some exciting moments like these. But for most of us, it's the inner promptings of the Holy Spirit that are the most prevalent way God communicates with us. And I'll talk about this later. But I want to talk about what stops us from tuning into these promptings. What tends to stop us from tuning into these promptings? Because I think this matters. If we're just to go right into how we hear from God, and we have all these barriers inside of us, then we're going to leave here today saying, I got, I, I, I should be hearing. And it's like, no, I got these barriers. And we've discerned there are three barriers we discern today that there are three barriers to a life discernment. One is an inaccurate view of God, which I've talked about a bit already. Another is our hurried pace of culture, that we're too busy running, that, and we're not available to stop and just listen. And lastly, it's hyper-individualism, which is also part of our culture. 
I'm sure there's more, but these are a great relevant start. Again, an inaccurate view of God can be a barrier to a life discernment. Christian discernment is relational at its core. It's about God and me and God and us. And if we don't know God who is actively loving us step by step in our day, why we want to hear the voice, how could we hear his voice among the dozens of other voices, including our own mental dialogue, our own toxic tapes, and the enemy of God, the devil, who wants to shame and blame us. If we don't know who God is, we will not desire to hear God's voice. Furthermore, an inaccurate view of God goes hand in hand with an inaccurate view of self. Why would God want to do anything to do with me if I'm such a schmuck? And God doesn't think of you that way. He doesn't think of anyone that way. And if we believe schmucks do exist, well, God's enamored with them too. No, this is about having an accurate view of God's love for you. And an accurate view is you being God's beloved. So whenever, whenever Courtney, who is my wife, or myself, try to listen to somebody, we try to pick up on notes of who God is as God speak, as people speak. Whenever Courtney and I meet with someone or someone's and listen to them, we try to discern in the conversation whether they're having a conversation with God who loves them or some other God who seems mean distant or critical my wife has a radar for these things she's what you would someone say it's perspicacious she listens to somebody as if she were listening to the piano and as they play their melody as they tell their story through the the emotions and through the experience she's picking up on any major even minor notes that are just a bit off and if they are off and if she's listening, she'll pause the conversation and she'll go back to that note that was just a bit off and just spend time there. Someone plays a note. Hey, how does that sound? Does that sound like God to you? That doesn't sound like God. That God doesn't sound loving. What if instead of that note, what if, what if God is actually holding you in the pain? What if God's actually angry at your circumstance? What if God loves that person that hurt you so much? How would your song change if you hit that note? I may be belaboring this point, but if we believe God is critical, distant, angry, we have to stop here and rediscover Jesus. And that's what we want to resource you as a church, is to help people understand God's love. If our vision is to love God and others in Christ, we have to recognize that in Christ we are loved. And there's some very good resources we can refer to you. But the other two barriers is, is our hurried pace of culture and our hyper-individualism. The scripture says, be still and know that I am God. Are we able to be still, to hear from God, to place our phone in a box and not check it for 24 hours? Are we able not to check work emails on the weekend? Are we able to only work eight hours a day instead of 12? We go and we go and we go because our culture elevates work, success, income. 
And actually, the issue is it works. You will be successful if you keep working. But you will lose yourself and likely lose your ability to hear God along the way. The last barrier is individualism. Without going into much sociology, the West, our modern world, is highly individualistic. We say, I got this, we got this, I got this. And what this translates to is, I'm on my own because I've got this, I've got to carry this. It, it translates into this privatism, which later becomes, no one really understands me. I'm on my own. And therefore, why would I share my struggles? Why would I share what I believe is going on? Because I'm on my own. I've got this. Barriers to discernment is an inaccurate view of God, hurried pace of culture, and a hyper-individualism. I think, consider these. Consider what may be a barrier to you from hearing from God. This is why as a church, we seek to slow down here from there. Our very first next step as a church, as we started our campus over a year ago, was to coast one, to take a day off. Because we, we truly believe there's no revelation without rest. We don't rest just to hear from God. We rest to play and to delight. But also it does create space for us to hear from God. A lot of people look at this passage that we read in John 5, and they see that Jesus did a healing on Sabbath. And sometimes people will be like, yeah, Jesus, he didn't do the Sabbath, so why should I do the Sabbath? And that's completely not true. Jesus' Sabbath, in the midst of his Sabbath, in the midst of this holy leisure, he was able to hear from God. He never planned on skipping the Sabbath. But in the midst of his Sabbath, because he's free, he's unhindered by his work, he hears from God clearly. And we need to couple our Sabbath with moments of prayer and moments of silence. Marjorie Thompson says, Solitude and inner silence provides the most promising environment for hearing the small, still voice. If there's no silence in our lives, all of our lives become freeway noise. However, conversely, if we take intentional moments to hear from God, we will be able to discern his still, small voice in the midst of all the freeway noise. I think what's also helpful as we discern is to have someone in our life who's curious about God, what is up to in your life. Some authors call this a soul friend. This is someone who helps you discern what God is up to. And a soul friend doesn't have to be your BFF. It doesn't have to be your spouse or your partner, your boyfriend or girlfriend. It's someone who covenants with you to be a sojourner with you to discern what God's up to in your life. The beauty of soul friends is they don't just ask questions about you, they're asking questions about God and about God and you. That's the big difference. We love to talk about ourselves, I do, and I believe there's a special place for that. I believe people who serve one another ask each other, how are you doing? But I think a soul friend also asks, what's God up to in your life? How are you sensing God's movement, God's promptings in your life? So let's talk about that. Let's talk about discernment. What's it like? Well, there, there's some, and Larry writes it this way, modes of discernment, i.e. how people hear from God. And I do believe God speaks 
and two primary modes. There is a third mode, but there's a warning to that third mode. And the, the two primary modes is the first is one I'm calling the dramatic pyrotechnics mode. This is where there's a powerful experience, sometimes even external fireworks, a knowing of God that cannot be explained in any other way. Coming to faith can be an experience like this, this moment where the Holy Spirit is saying, now it's time to give your life. There are other moments like that, uh, big events, graduations or marriages, where you just experience God's hand in your life, God's movement, God's confirmation, God's calling, sometimes a, a calling to Leadership or calling to ministry can be this moment where it's like, yes, there's this moment. It's like, boom. And that's mode one. These huge moments where someone may speak to your life, where you just experience a word that cannot be denied. Mode two. This is the inner promptings of the Spirit that are, which happen to be the most prevalent way that God speaks to us. Where... God can speak to our minds and thoughts using very subtle and at the same time strong mediums. Sometimes in your emotions, your thoughts, in your desires, a question comes up. What about becoming a teacher? How are we going to get rid of this sin? What do you sense going on in that person's life? There's questions that we just receive. Sometimes we receive statements or urges Check in on Greg. Check in on Ashley. Sometimes we receive pictures or images or even scriptures. And all of these can feel very subjective. But I'll say this. That they're meant to be a conversation starter to have with God. Okay, you've given me this picture of a sunset, God. What is, what is it about the sunset? And that's an opportunity to pray and talk and even journal with God about what God may have for you in the midst of that picture or image. Other times, in similar ways, it's our impulses when we are confronted with the decision. Hey, Andy, I need you to go to this conference or speak at this church. And the, the Spirit can work on our impulses where it can feel so subtle, but you recognize this seems like a good idea, but like a drop of water hitting a rock versus a drop of water hitting a sponge. It just feels like the rock, boom. There's something there that I, I'm a bit resistant to, or there's something there that just doesn't feel right. It's water that's hitting this rock and boom, versus hitting a sponge where it just absorbs into it. And that makes sense. There's an illustration I do in church where I have people hold their fingers, clasp their hands together. And you just clasp them together where it feels right. You interlock your fingers. And then I ask people to move their fingers. What? Oh, switch your thumbs. That's all you do is switch your thumbs, right? Where you switch your thumbs, it just doesn't feel right. It feels just off, at least not compared to how you naturally interlock your fingers. Sometimes when we're trying to perceive what is best, or even sometimes when we're discerning good and evil, we sense something is just a bit off. I know I shouldn't click on this site 
there's something about expensing this work expense that doesn't feel right. It's like, yeah, it's just, it's off. And we have to trust those impulses and let that be an opportunity to talk to God without it. A lot of times, we got to also trust what I like to call the good vibrations, where God's calling us to quick moments of quick loving. And the discernment really falls under the umbrella of like, hey, you should, you should affirm this person right now, right now, God. And, and you're like, is God telling me this or just me? And the question is, well, is it loving? Then do it. Affirm that person. If it's, should I do this chore right now? Are you asking me this? Well, is it loving to do this chore? Go for it. If it's time to pray for someone, that's, that's not a bad thing to do. we got to trust those good vibrations. Dallas Willard, uh, a late sociologist and theologian from USC, he says this, the final means through which God addresses us is our own spirits, our thoughts and feelings toward ourselves as well as toward events and people around us. This, he believes, is the primary subjective way that God addresses us. I think that word subjective is there because those promptings are an opportunity to have a larger conversation with God. Now, I mentioned the third mode. Uh, and the third mode is essentially pros and cons. And the reason why I have caution with pros and cons, Larry writes about this, is that they very much become a barrier to Christian discernment because pros and cons can be devoid of the Spirit and depend wholly on an intellectual process where we try to employ reason, scripture, common sense, pros and cons for our own decision-making. We have to recognize that God calls us to do some wildly weird and unreasonable things. From a lot. I mean, Scripture says, for the foolishness of God is greater than the wisdom of this world. And sometimes God calls us to do very unrational things. To give completely sacrificially. To open our homes to kids. To say something that may not be accepted by everyone. Other times, when we're not hearing from God, it can be very reasonable to discern, okay, what makes the most sense here? And then take that back to God. I think what's helpful, and we'll do this in our gatherings, we want to actually create space to discern. And so the questions I have for you today is, how is God inviting you to slow down with Him so that you can hear from Him more fully? How is God inviting you to know Him more fully? And last question, and you can just discern one of these. Who's someone in your life with whom you can talk to as if Jesus is in the room? Because God is in the room. And have a conversation this week about anything that God is likely bringing to your attention. That's what we're going to discern in church today. And I think it's a great place to end our message. How is God inviting you to slow with Him? How is God inviting you to know Him more fully? And who's someone in your life that you could talk to about what God may be bringing to your attention. Amen. So with that, may the love of God and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all.